0: Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we are launching into a new sermon series today. Now, some of you may not know this, but we plan these series oftentimes up to a year in advance, just so we're preaching the whole counsel of God. Uh, But sometimes God has something different in mind. You know, I was having my quiet time just uh, uh, several weeks ago, and I was just reading in second chronicles about uh the dedication of the temple and here is king solomon and he's dedicating the temple and and everyone's worshiping and they're singing and they're bringing the ark of the covenant into the temple it's this wonderful euphoric uh, moment of worship and it says in that moment that the cloud of god's glory filled the temple so much so that They couldn't work anymore. They couldn't worship anymore. Everything stopped because God showed up. And I remember reading that and just thinking about what that would have been like there and and then beginning to pray, God, I want you to move like that again. I want you to move in my heart, in our church, in in our country like that. God, I want you to move. Let the cloud come again like that. And as I was praying, there were two things that came to my mind. One is that Usually, before God moves in a powerful way like that, there comes a crisis. And I was praying. I was going, God, well, we have a crisis right now. God, I mean, the whole nation is stopped. I mean, with this uh, COVID nineteen, everything is stopped. We're in crisis. God, maybe you're using this. And then the second thing came to my mind, and that is, now is there a crisis, but there is preaching. for for revival to happen, for renewal to happen, before every great awakening in our country, there has been both the problem and there has been preaching. Now, I'm not talking about just any kind of preaching. I'm not talking about preaching that shows you how to manage through the problem or how to not get angry with God through the problem. I'm talking about a type of preaching that calls people to God, that points people to God. See, there has to be the problem and the preaching. There has to be the crisis and the call. There has to be both a, 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 I guess you could say, the mess and the message, right? There has to be this call for the people to seek God in their problem. And God really moved in my heart that that's what we need right here. And that's what we need right now. So I I asked our team to get together. I said, Scrapple, we had in." It planned, uh, We're moving into something new. God wants us to speak about awakening, revival, and renewal. Listen, if God has put this on my heart, then I truly believe that God wants it on your heart. I mean, if God is stopping the press and God's causing us to stop and redo and rethink and focus on this message, and that's a message God wants for you. He wants you to hear it, you to respond to it you'd receive it. So will you? Will you receive this message that God has? Uh, We're going to be looking uh, in this whole series uh, from Hosea chapter 6. So if you've got your Bible, just open it up. Hosea chapter 6. We're going to be looking at this passage. I'd encourage you to just uh, put it on your refrigerator, put it on your phone, uh, memorize this passage, talk about it with your children, pray about it uh, as you spend time with the Lord. Hosea chapter 6 is where we're going to be. You know, the background for Hosea, Hosea was uh, one of the first, uh, the largest, and the most theologically complete of all the minor prophets. Hosea, his message was basically God seeking after his wayward people. And he preached to the northern kingdom of Israel, which was in every respect prosperous and idolatrous and self-indulgent. Does that sound... Familiar to you? Prosperous, idolatrous, and self-indulgent. Hosea's plea was for God's people to turn, to change their direction, and to turn back uh, to the Lord. So let's look at Hosea chapter chapter 6, beginning of verse 1. This is the word of God. Come, let us return to the Lord. For he has torn us, and he will heal us. He has wounded us, and He will bind up our wounds. He will revive us after two days. On the third day, He will raise us up so that we can live in His presence. Let us strive to know the Lord. His appearance is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like the rain, like the spring showers that water the land. Today, we're just going to look at that very first verse Really, the first verse is, is an invitation to awakening, an invitation to revival. Look at he says, come. I love that. He just starts off with this invitation come on, come. Uh, Listen, things don't have to be the way they are now. Things can change. You can get close to God. God can do something new in your heart and in your life if you will just come. How many times did Jesus say, come to me, all you are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. This invitation to come is an invitation to not stay where you are. He said, come, let us return to the Lord. Let us return. Spiritual awakening is not just only something that happens to the individual, but it's something that can happen to us. The spiritual awakening can happen to a family. The spiritual awakening can happen to a church. It can happen to a nation that God can move in our presence. See, he says, come, let us, and then look at what he says, return to the Lord. That word return there is a common word. It's used over a thousand times in the Old Testament, 24 times right here in the book of Hosea. It simply means to come home, to turn, to turn back to God. Listen, if you want to know what Hosea is saying in this passage and what he's saying to us, to you, and to me, he's saying this: it's time to return to the Lord. Listen, if you're, if you're looking at God's clock, now is the time to return to the Lord. Now is the time to lean back into God. Now is the time to turn from the direction you're going and come back to Him. And that's what He's doing in this, in this season. That's what He's doing right now is He's calling His people to return. Now, you say, well, what what exactly does that mean? I mean, to return to the Lord, what what would that look like? And what what does that mean for me and and my family? So, uh, I have three questions here, and I want to answer these three questions about awakening, spiritual awakening, spiritual renewal. All right? Uh, Here's the first question Uh, Why do I need to return to the Lord? Why do I need to return to the Lord? You may be asking that. What are you even talking about, Craig? I'm fine. Why do I need to return to the Lord? Answer uh, is simply this: because we have all drifted from God. The truth of the matter is that we've all drifted from God. This is a message to God's people. Think about it. Before you can return to the Lord, you have need to have first turned to the Lord. Before you can be uh, revived, then there there has to be a moment when you revived, right? Then you came to life uh, in Christ. All right, Before you can be renewed, then there has to have been a moment when you found new uh, meaning and a new life in Jesus. So this is really a message to God's people. See, re- renewal and spiritual awakening always begins with God's people. Yes, there are people that get saved in awakenings. Yes, there are people that come to Christ for the first time. But I'm telling you, true spiritual awakening always begins at the house of God. It always begins with God's people. Turning back to the Lord. You say, well, why, why do I need to return to the Lord? It's simply this, because God's people so many times fall into seasons of indifference, spiritual indifference, spiritual waywardness. Let me ask you something. Is that you? Would you say that you, you have fallen into a season of spiritual indifference? that um, you, know, just, you don't love him like you used to love him. You don't have a heart for God the way you used to have a heart for God. You're not passionate about his word like you once were passionate about his word. I'm thinking about the church in Ephesus where Jesus spoke to them in Revelation, uh, verse, uh, Revelation 3. And he, and he said, you have lost your first love. Have you gone through a period where you don't really have a heart for God? That you feel like you've drifted from God. See, there are a lot of reasons why we drift from God, and uh, I, I'm just going to give you a few of them. There, there probably is a long list, but let me give you a couple of things that cause us as followers of Jesus to drift from God. One is just disobedience. You know, sometimes we're just it's the blatant sin, it's the secret sin, it's the moral infraction. It is the uh, it is the the rough edges of morality. It's it's the allowing thoughts in our mind that we know greed, the holy spirit. Maybe it's a a command that God's given us, a call that God's given us and yet you have not done it. Like Jonah, you're running from God. Sheer disobedience will cause you to just drift from God. Uh, Another thing are distractions. Distractions can keep you uh, far from God. I had a friend of mine who was telling me recently, not too long ago, about how when he was in college, he was just so hot-hearted for God, just loved the Lord and loved his word, was engaged in ministry, and all these things were happening. And then he said, when I got into my job, he said, all of a sudden I became overwhelmed and passionate about work and about money and about power and about climbing the ladder. And he said, Craig, you know, it's not like I stopped going to church or anything, but I just lost this longing for God. My soul began to shrivel. Let me ask you, is your soul beginning to shrivel? Because you don't have that passion that you once had. Distractions can keep you from God. And then there's another one that disillusionment can cause you to drift from God. You know, a lot of people, they go through a crisis. They go through hardship. They go through a trial, and, and they've, they've been wounded, and they've suffered. And they're like, why did God allow this to happen to me? And why is this happening? And, and, and they begin to ask and question God, and, and that causes them to pull away from God. I'm like, I'm not sure. And they start pulling away from God, and they, they can drift from God because they're disillusioned. You know, another reason why people drift from God, too, is just because their worship of God, their relationship with God, just becomes mechanical and programmatic and going through the motions. This is the person that, yeah, I'm going to be in church every Sunday. I'm going to, go, I'm going to log on to my group. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going, to, I'm going to give faithfully. I mean, you're not doing anything wrong, but yet there is not this passionate love for Jesus like you used to have. Worship has become an obligation and a drag and not a love for Jesus. Let me ask you something. Do any of these sound familiar to you? I mean, be honest with yourself. Does any of this sound familiar? Like maybe you can sense a drift from God? And that's why God calls his people to return, to return. And you say, well, how how do I return to the Lord? Well, that kind of leads me to the second question. And that is this, what would cause me to return to the Lord? Uh, Answer, uh, a crisis. You know, it would be great if if we would just kind of become aware, you know, in ourselves. Like, man, I'm really uh, drifting from God. And man, I'm really not really where I used to be. And I I need to get back to God. That would be great. But nine times out of ten, that doesn't happen. Normally, it takes something to arouse us to the our need, right? Something to wake us up. i didn't forget um, uh, a couple of years ago, my sister came to visit her and her husband and she's deaf and uh, And we we said goodnight and they went upstairs to, to the bedroom. It was in the summer. I, I shut the doors, I locked, set the alarm uh, and went to bed and then in the middle of the night, man, our house alarm goes off. I bow and it's so loud. I mean, it's like just penetrating loud. I jumped out of bed literally. My um, feet hit the floor. I ran to the front door before I was even awake. I mean, I mean, I was just heart pumping, you know, adrenaline moving. I mean, I'm fight or flight. I don't know what's going on, but but I'm there. And all, and, and suddenly I began to realize, what is causing this to happen? And what happened was uh, my sister got hot during the night and opened up the window. All right. So but she opened up the window, then the alarm goes off. Now she didn't hear it. But I heard it, and it motivated me to action. Listen, sometimes God sends off the alarms. Sometimes God shakes us, he wakes us up. And many times that happens through crisis. That God will bring a crisis into our life to just to wake us up to our need for him. You know, you see that right here in verse 1. Look at what he says. uh, For he has torn us, and he will heal us. He has wounded us, and he will bind up our wounds. The word torn there literally means to be torn apart by a wild animal. All right, if you've ever seen something that a coyote or a bobcat got a hold of, you have a clear picture of what he's talking about. When he says he has wounded us, that's literally a series of blows, extended beating to bring submission. That's what it means. It's the jockey on top of the horse that when it it comes to the final stretch is is whipping that horse to motivate him to move. Listen, uh, he says he has wounded us. He has has torn us. Who, Who is it that's done that? The word he is in what we call the emphatic position. In other words, back in those days, they didn't have large font, bold, underline, italics to to emphasize. They would put a word in the front to emphasize. And what what Hosea is saying is God has done this. God has moved in this way. That God has brought these things on us to get our attention. Let me ask you something. Is it possible that the difficulty that you've been facing, the pain that you've been enduring, the hardship that has come upon you? Is it possible that God is getting your attention? You know, there's a lot of discussion right now about the coronavirus and, you know, where it started and who's responsible and, and who covered it up. And there are all kinds of people that have all kinds of views about uh, pointing the finger at who's responsible. But let me ask you something. Is it possible that no matter who in this earthly world has, has been a part of this, that, that God has ultimately been the one to allow this to come, to get our attention, to drive God's people To their knees to stop the world so that we could recognize our desperate need for him listen god often uses crisis you know that's the testimony of every person right just about every person i know that's come to christ had a crisis right they uh You know, they said, yeah, I was doing great. Yeah, I was just going along. Yeah, work was great, family was great. And then bam, you know, something happens. My, you know, my wife leaves me, my kid gets arrested. I lose my job. My health issue, you know, comes up out of nowhere. And then what happens? Then I call on God. And then God begins to move. You see this over and over and over in the Old Testament, 12 different times in the book of Judges. Everything's going great. And then the crisis comes and God's people seek the Lord. And that's what moves them back to him. Listen, there is pain in every problem. There is, there is pain uh, in your life and in my life. But there's purpose in that pain. And that purpose is to, to cause us to return to the Lord. Let me ask you something. What's going to take for you to return back to the Lord? What's it going to take? What's it going to take for God to get your attention? To draw you back to him. Listen, God often uses a crisis. You know, there have been multiple awakenings in our country, but um, in nineteen uh, the fifties, right after the. Um, World War II, there was a sense of optimism and prosperity in America. I mean, all of a sudden, everybody had everything they wanted. Every you know, average American family, they had two cars and a pool in the backyard, and and things were great. There was a sense of optimism and, and uh, joy. I mean, you can look at the movies and the TV shows during that time. There was Leave It to Beaver, and I Love Lucy, and the world was great. But the optimism of the 1950s quickly shifted into the skepticism of the 1960s. The 1960s were a, a decade of turbulence. We were divided as a nation in so many ways. We were divided racially. And many of the civil rights leaders like Martin Luther King were assassinated. We were divided politically. And, our, and John F. Kennedy was assassinated. We were divided over an a unwanted war, the Vietnam War, and many of the war protesters would begin to shout, you know, make love, not war, and, and, and that gave way to just all kinds of drug use and free sex and rock and roll and this spiritual indifference. But it was in the middle of that turbulence, that pain, that hardship, that crisis in our country that God began to move. There was a man named Chuck Smith who uh, was a preacher, and he decided to go down to the beaches in Southern California and just preach to the hippies that were out there on the beach. And he preached about Jesus. At the beginning, just a few people would come, and then more would come, and then more would come. Soon he was baptizing hundreds of people, and it wasn't just Chuck Smith. This was happening all across the United States, that there was this movement of God among that generation that desperately needed hope. In Dallas, Texas there was a a gathering called Explo 72. And Billy Graham preached there, and and Bill Bright was there. And and listen, 100,000 students came to Dallas, all hungry for hope, hungry for God, hungry for awakening. And in that place, they confessed their sin, and they turned to the Lord, and God began to move across our country a spiritual awakening They called it the Jesus Movement. You know, it's interesting that I was actually saved in 1972. As a young boy, during that awakening, God awakened my heart. Listen, you may be asking, can God do that again? Could God move again in our nation like that? You know, it's interesting that our time today is eerily similar to those days. Division, hatred, um, looking for hope this coronavirus that has stopped the world is god not getting our attention what will it take it will take us to return to the lord hosea says over and over through this passage that we're to return uh, to the lord a uh, last question what will happen uh, when i return to the lord what will happen if we literally were to return to the Lord? What would God do? Answer uh, He would bring healing, He brings spiritual restoration. Look at what He says He has torn us, but He will heal us. He has wounded us, but He will bind up our wounds. It, aren't you just glad that God's end goal is not suffering, right? God's end goal is healing that this crisis is not going to last forever, that this problem that you're facing is not going to last forever, but that God wants to use this very thing that you don't want to drive you to your knees so that he can bring what you desperately need, and that is a spiritual awakening in your life, and in my life, and in our church. You know, just as a surgeon, cuts in order to bring healing. Just as a a, a doctor would create pain to reset a bone so we could grow strong again, God oftentimes will bring crisis into our life in order to bring the healing that we desperately, desperately need. This kind of national healing is really what God promised to Solomon. Remember, I was having my time with the Lord and I was reading 2 Chronicles chapter 5 about the dedication of the temple and how the the presence of God came, the glory of God came on that place and uh, that's in 2 Chronicles chapter 5. But if you keep reading a couple of chapters later, God shows up and speaks to Solomon privately. Just one-on-one. And God basically said, Solomon, I've heard your prayers and I'm making this temple my dwelling place and my glory is going to rest here and then he says this if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land listen if there's ever a time that we need to seek God, it's now. there's ever a time that we need God to move in our heart and in our nation and in our church, it is right now. When will there ever be a time that we need him more than we need him now? And and I believe that this whole uh, crisis that we've been facing is, is just an opportunity for God's people to fall on our knees and cry out to him. Now is the time to return to the Lord. You know, just this past week, we uh, did a park and pray event at Baylor uh, Hospital, Baylor Grapevine Hospital, and uh, it was a wonderful time. We, We had hundreds of people out in the parking lot, and we were praying for doctors and for nurses and for emergency providers and and the executives there at the hospital, we prayed for the sick and the needy. It was just a, a wonderful time of ministry. But I'll never forget, as we pulled up in that parking lot, someone had taken looked like large electrical tape and had put on the windows of the building Isaiah 41.10. And if you look at what Isaiah 41.10 says, this is, let me just read it to you. It says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's what God wants to do in your life. Listen, God wants to strengthen you. God wants to help you. God wants to show up in your life. He wants to revive and bring back to life the things that were dead. He wants to bring you back to the place that you were before, back to your first love. It's time to return to the Lord. And that's how it happens. When we return to the Lord, that's when he begins to strengthen and he begins to move in our lives. You say, Craig, what do I do? How do I I return to the Lord? We're gonna talk more about that next week. But let me just say this. It starts with admitting That you've drifted from god it starts with a recognition to say god i am not where i need to be there's sin in my life that i have looked the other way and acted like it was no big deal i i am indifferent to your word i don't have a heart for people that don't know you jesus my prayer life is uh, non-existent i I, there's the the heartbeat and the love and the desire and hunger for you has long since gone for you to admit that and to confess that and to say, God, bring renewal and start with me. Would you do that right now? Would you just pray that prayer? Say, God, start with me. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ there's no way that God can renew you, can revive you because you've not yet really come to know Jesus. Then that is your first step. Today is a day for you to come to know Jesus. Listen, as sure as you're listening to this message, God is speaking to you right now. And what he wants you to know is this, how much he desperately loves you. The Bible says, well, we have sinned against God and we've gone our own way and we've not glorified God. We've not put him first in our life and we were living our own life for ourselves. That God sent His only Son Jesus, and Jesus came to the earth to reveal the Father to us, and to take on our sin. And on the cross, all of your sin was placed on the back of Jesus, and Jesus died in your place because He loves you. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. The Bible says that He was buried that he rose again the third day and he's offering you right now a change to come into your life, to cleanse you on the inside, to make you new, to give you a home in heaven, to give you his purpose here and his promise of, of heaven in the future. But you've got to turn to him. I'm going to give you a chance to do that right now. If you would just uh, just bow your heads with me, just right where you're seated, right where you are, just bow your head with me. And I'm going to pray a simple prayer of faith, asking Jesus to forgive and to restore and to cleanse. And if you want to pray that prayer right now, God's moving in your heart that he's drawing you now, that you just pray this simple prayer with me. Just pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned against you. And I know I've gone my own way. But I believe you died on a cross for me. And I believe you rose again from the dead. And I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Please come into my life. Please make me a new person. Don't leave me to myself. Thank you for forgiving me. Now, just with your heads bowed, you may be a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've given your life to Christ. But this message has been for you. That you desperately need renewal and spiritual awakening. And would you just be honest with God right now? Just say, God, you know my, I've drifted from you. And God, maybe you're using this crisis to wake me up on my desperate need for you. Confess your waywardness, confess your indifference. Confess your callous heart to God. And say, God, I want to return to you. I wanna love you like I did at first. I want to serve you. I want to worship you like I used to. Lord, move in my heart. Would you just tell him that? Father, we just thank you for your unfailing love for us. That you do not leave us to ourselves. That when we drift from you, God, you pursue us. When we run from you, you chase after us. And that God, you use crisis in our life to awaken us and to draw us back to you. But God, you promise that when we return to you, you heal us, you restore us, you bring life to us, you strengthen us, you help us, you draw close to us. God, we're asking for a spiritual awakening. God, move in our hearts, move in our lives, move in our families, God, move in our church, move in our nation in a way That the cloud of your presence settles in this place. And we are in awe of you. Lord, we ask that you do this in Jesus' name.